<laughs> Welcome back to Giving Back TV podcast. We yes. have Aaron Throckmorton, Colin Tordale, and a special guest, Mackenzie Tordale. Yes, she's related. It is court ordered. Yeah, he's my father. I'm sorry. For you. Wow. <laughs> so much love to the right of me. I learned it all from him. But you're moving out soon. Yes, I am. What 44 day? days. 44 <laughs> days. Not that she's counting, Dad. Right. Yeah, I totally don't have a countdown on my phone. So I know you're happy about moving out. Dad, are you happy or are you a little sad? Glorious days. You're glorious, okay. That means I get another room for trophies. Which is perfect. Right. I mean, you're going to miss her. I will. Yeah, they but asked you're... me what size air mattress I wanted. When they come back. All right, see. I but figured it's a smaller bedroom, so I think, you know, tiny 10 room. Let's go for the tiny 10. Right. I, I think you would do that. Um, she comes back from college. She can sleep right there on the couch. Absolutely. Yep. Or the air mattress. Or the air it mattress. Hey, air mattresses are comfortable. There's loud. We be careful what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just telling you. There we go. Air mattress it is. <laughs> That's right. So, no, she's going off to college. Going off to college. Big freshman in college this year. Yep. You excited? Yeah. Actually, I think I'll be pretty good. Are you nervous? A little, but not really. That's normal. Yeah. That's normal. It usually hits you when mom and dad drive away from leaving you. <laughs> More than likely, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but from my experience, it's tough on mom and dad driving away. The kids are usually like freedom. Yeah. Yes. But it is a little scary. I'll probably be excited because I know like the orientation lasts a whole week and it's just a bunch of fun activities. And then I know my mom's just going to be crying on the drive home. So you're going to be driving. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> you look so happy right now. I'm going to have noise canceling earphones in. It'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. You can just listen to the Giving Back TV podcast on the way home. I mean, what better thing to listen to while you're driving down the road? I know. So many great subjects. We got a good subject today, actually. We do. And it all came from her. Yay. So you want to tell us what we're talking about today? Um, we're talking about trophy hunting and even like the stigmas surrounding it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so uh, why did we bring the subject up and why are you here to join us today? Because in my junior year, in my AP language class, I we were like supposed to do discussions every week and someone would lead the discussions every week. You choose a controversial topic and you give everyone to read an article and you give them questions to answer. And so you have discussion topics every Friday. My discussion was on the stigma of trophy hunting. So I gave them the article and we had a bunch of questions that I gave them and then we just sat down and had a discussion. I knew going into that discussion that a lot of the people in my class were very much against trophy hunting. And by the end of that discussion, they changed their minds. So even here in Montana, <clears throat> excuse me, kids in your class were against hunting or just the, the, the term trophy hunting. I'm fairly certain it was just the term trophy hunting. Okay. So what did they think trophy hunting meant? They pretty much thought it was the same thing as like poaching. That you're okay. just going out and you're just shooting a bunch of animals just because you want the trophy. They didn't think about where the meat goes or what like the influence does on the um, local communities and everything. Okay. So, and a lot of people are probably going to ask, well, what makes you an expert? Um, I've been on the trips where we went trophy hunting twice in South Africa. <laughs> so you've seen it firsthand. Yes. yes. Your dad and your mom going on that trip. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I do understand where people come from if they don't know and understand. They think the trophy, you have a, a stuffed animal on your wall, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You just went there. You didn't bring meat back or anything else. So 
here when people poach and we see in the paper they just cut the head off or the horns off and leave the animal to rot and waste but that's not what we do i mean the meat is used every part of that animal is used that's why when i went into this discussion i kind of just started it off with just so you all know i've done this twice now and i have first-hand experience and they were all just like oh my god you have and so they started asking me personal questions about it like what did you do with the meat um which it went to a local school there and we got to deliver it in person which was awesome and that was in south africa yes yeah yeah no i mean that's the thing and i was talking to another friend of mine who's in the hunting industry and he said we need to stop being afraid of using the term trophy hunting we need to kind of take our narrative back because like you said it's so misunderstood um and there are people, even people in, in our region, that'll go out and shoot a bull elk, cut the head off, and leave it. Mm-hmm. That's not a trophy hunter. That's a poacher. Yes. And there's a very big difference in that. And I know that you know most of my clients, friends, whoever go to Africa, they want to know where the meat goes. They want to be a part of this you know chain. Um, but you're not bringing the meat back home. So you're there trophy hunting. That's what you're doing. The reason we're not bringing the meat back home because it all tastes really good. Very good. Is they don't the countries don't allow the export of the meat. And well, in the U.S., they won't allow the import of it. You know, from Africa, no meat can come in from Africa. You know, but I always tell people, well, what about the guy that just goes over and drops fifty thousand, and he doesn't care where the meat goes? That's fine. That's really his prerogative. But that fifty thousand. Half of that money is going to get reinvested into that community, yes. whether it's, you know, for their school systems, for their hospitals, uh, for the anti-poaching. And it's also going to go to if you're, let's say, in South Africa and you're on a farm, that's going to go back into that conservation model or breeding model for that um, outfitter, which is helping the longevity of these animals. Yes. So trophy hunting, there's really nothing bad about trophy hunting. It's just very misunderstood. Yeah, that's part of what I talked about in my discussion is I highlighted the um, importance of trophy hunting in the conservation of these animals and um, in efforts to um, like anti-poaching efforts. And so I highlighted that and like t- discussed this with my class. And I know they a lot of them just listened to me so intently that I hadn't seen in any discussions prior to that. And it was like a really good discussion. So Mackenzie, tell us... Um... How does hunting help conservation? Well, the outfitters obviously care a lot about their animals because they their means of providing a living for mm-hmm. themselves and for their employees. So they're going to look for good traits in the animals that um, help like the diversity of the species and keeps the um, herds of the species they have healthy. They um, are going to go, they have anti-poacher measures taken because Mm -hmm. they don't want poachers killing their animals (laughs) naturally. Um, So it just helps in those ways and many more ways. Are we just out there just shooting any animal that steps in front of us? No, we're shooting the older, (laughs) more um, mature, out of breeding um, animals. Right, because I don't know how many animals stepped in front of us in the blinds. And just, nope, no shooters there. Or right. just one in this whole group of wildebeest. Remember that one? And But yeah. outfitters like, keep your eye on that one. And then another wildebeest walks in front of you and you're like, which one? There's like 50 <laughs> of them out there. I couldn't even find it to film. <laughs> no idea which one you're talking about anymore. But No, you're so right. I mean, they take out the old ones that are past their breeding prime. 
And and honestly, that animal is going to die. Yes. So if, if a hunter will pay to kill that animal, you can then utilize the meat. You can then give some of that money back to anti-poaching to help fight the real poachers. I mean, it's a great model. And you and I kind of spoke off camera last time about Kenya. Tell everybody about that, not to put you on the spot. but Oh, how the animal populations um, declined drastically because they're not allowing trophy hunting. Correct. They stopped hunting in 1977, I believe it was. And um, the animal population, there's like 10% of the wildlife left in Kenya now because let's, I mean, there's no money coming into that country for hunting. So the locals up there, if they have herds of cattle or goats or sheep or whatever, the kudu, the zebra, the wildebeest, they're eating the grass. So they're going to decimate the wild animals Mm -hmm. to keep their livestock. So without that model in place, you know, everyone always uses that, especially when we talk about elephant hunting. And they're like, well, the elephant numbers are way down. And I'm like, they are in some countries. But I've personally hunted elephant in three different countries now, and they're all overpopulated. And, you know, so we need that model to get the numbers down, you know, to go back into saving other wildlife from the habitat loss. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just it's one of those things that a lot of hunters shy away from that term. But we have to start talking about it because it is the model for the longevity of wildlife. That's another thing that the trophy hunting conservation is, is that it protects the habitat. It's not used for agricultural purposes or it's not just decimated and used to build a bunch of buildings. It's there for the wildlife to live in. Yeah. And you guys have been to Kruger Park. Yes, we How have. many elephant did you see there? Oh, God. <laughs> At first, you know, like, oh, elephant, you've got your camera out, you're taking pictures, you're videoing, you're doing all these things. And then, oh, it's just another elephant. Yeah. Because there's so many of them. There's too many. You mm-hmm. know, and even talking to our outfitter, like he said, there's no bush buck or gems buck in the park because their habitat got decimated by the elephant. So not only is the elephant destroying their habitat, it's destroying habitat of other animals too. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I was just, um, I was talking with a guy the other day about my elephant hunt and he goes, I don't see a reason for it. And I'm like, well, here's five reasons. And he's a big hunter himself. And he's like, I would have never thought of that. I would have never thought of that. So, you know, it's just something I think that we need to keep talking about amongst us and not shy away from. Um, Your anti-hunters are never going to support us, Mm -hmm. no matter if we're hunting for meat or hunting for trophies. Um, The non-hunters, though, I think if we can keep educating them, that we can pull more people to our side. Um, Because without hunting, I don't know what it's going to look like uh, 100 years from now. Right. Yeah, it's it's needed. Um, Look at uh, Namibia even. Um, there were some polls recently on, you know, do the people of Namibia support trophy hunting? And the antis wanted to sway it like, no, they don't. But actually, you look at all the data, the vast majority of the population support it because it helps the communities. The money that's coming in, the conservation, um, population control of wildlife, all those things play a part. Yeah, and Namibia has kind of a cool model that, I mean, we didn't even touch on yet, but all the money that is raised from hunting, it goes back into the local communities. Now, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say all the money. There's a percentage of the money raised, so it benefits every community. So yes. all the communities love when hunters come because they're gonna they're gonna benefit from it. You know, so they're out there. They're gonna also then be watching for the poachers themselves. I have an outfitter up in uh, Mozambique. <clears throat> they started a program where they would feed a village. So they're going to go and they're going to deliver meat to that village. And they told them, if anybody from this village gets caught poaching, we're going to stop your meat distribution for one year. 
They started that, I think, 15 years ago. When they started the program, there was 2,500 buffalo in this Katata 11 area. There is today 25,000 Cape buffalo there. And so what they did is they're not only incentivizing the people with meat, they're incentivizing them to turn on the bad people that Mm -hmm. are in the village because they're everywhere. So, you know, if we can keep doing stuff like that, um, I think we're going to be fine. But we just got to trophy hunting funds that program. Absolutely. So I'm proud of you. I mean, that's that's tough to take on that as a junior in high school to do that. I mean, you could have chose an easier subject than that. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, why do we put a roundabout in over here? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I could have chosen a much less controversial topic or a topic that I knew everyone agreed on already, but that wasn't going to be interesting. That's a prime example of, as we're talking to people, if we just talk to them about facts, calm, not no emotion behind it, mm-hmm. their minds will be changed. They might not want to hunt, but they do understand the process and what we do. Mm-hmm. They respect yeah. it a little bit more. Yes. And you see the anti-hunters, they always come out with the name calling, the insults. Yes. And I always tell people, don't take the bait. Let them have their opinion, state your facts, and move on. Because you're never going to change the anti-hunter's mind, but the three non-hunters that are watching that discussion, yes. they're going to side with us. And and we need people on our side because if not, um, we're going down a bad rabbit hole. Absolutely. For sure. So, no, I'm, I'm glad you came on the podcast today. I think that this is, is needed. And we're going we're gonna to get you on a couple more here. Maybe we'll come down to college and we'll do one there for all your new friends. I'll just come back. <laughs> Let us go and we won't embarrass you. We will never embarrass you. Uh, you're lying. True. <laughs> she, yeah, definitely. She knows us. Yeah, yeah, she does. So. You raised me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kenzie, thank you for coming on today, and we'll see you at college soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, guys. If any of you want to go on any of these hunts or trips around the world that we talk about on this podcast, True Flight Adventures can help you with every step of the way. Get a hold of us either by calling or emailing, and we can get you on that trip of a lifetime. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of our stories and commentary, or something to sleep to, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy watching us ramble on, then subscribe on YouTube or Carbon TV. Until next time on Giving Back TV Podcast.